What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mark Mazur and Ben Stemmer here with a fresh new episode of the NBA Diehards podcast. And Ben here on, what is it, July 14th? Yep. July 14th. Yeah. We are deep into NBA free agency, especially here in 2019, where we had deals being announced before the July 1st, 6 p.m. deadline, so things got started early. And basically every single one of the big names has been uh, assigned to his team. And a lot has happened since our last pod where KD and Kyrie went to the Nets. So I guess let's get right into it. Uh, we'll start with the biggest news, Kawhi Leonard, yeah. going to the L.A. Clippers and bringing along with him Paul George. Yeah, so um, a lot of the reports coming out were pretty much saying that the Clippers were not being considered. So when Kawhi announced that he was joining the Clippers, that in itself was a pretty big shock, um, you know, kind of after that earthquake in Las Vegas. <laughs> Um, who knows? Maybe that was caused by uh, Kawhi kind of deciding. But way too many people using the that super the cheesy like, oh, what a seismic shift in the NBA. <laughs> like, all right, come on. <laughs> so I think that the, uh, just Kawhi going to the Clippers was a shock. I mean, we all we were uh, together actually. We reacted real time, and then to hear the news, obviously that Paul George was also joining, kind of came as you know another huge surprise because he was locked into a deal with OKC and last offseason he had a chance to go to the Lakers and he made it clear to his original team the Pacers that he wanted to go home to LA and OKC made the trade for him took a risk and it looked like it paid off everyone uh, he he basically came back to OKC Um, they were able to re-sign him and he was committed on a max deal with the Thunder and with Russell Westbrook, and last season, about two years. Yeah, and he he was playing MVP level basketball. Um, Russell Westbrook, with all the criticism he's getting now, and we'll get into him later going to Houston, which was pretty big news. Um, he took a step back, and he allowed Paul George to take the most shots and to be the second leading scorer in the NBA behind James Harden. You know, you take Harden out and his insane uh, scoring average. Paul George is the scoring champion last year, and he's also a Defensive Player of the Year candidate and MVP, you know, third finish behind, obviously, Giannis and uh, James. So, um, you know, Westbrook and him, you may say what you want. They had some pretty, you know, injuries possibly in the Portland series. Paul George ended up having shoulder surgery on both shoulders, and they got bounced in the first round again. But I would say that it was starting to kind of come together. Before injuries, they were the third seed in the West, and once I think it was Paul George or one of them went down, and they dropped to six because in the West, I mean, you really can't have any slip ups. I mean, look at the Lakers. So right, and I think when the Thunder last year started to deal with some of those injuries, they were such a shallow team, other than George, Westbrook, and Adams, really. Mm-hmm that losing one superstar, it was over for them, at least in terms of competing for that period of time. And then, like you said, George uh, left and right shoulder, so both shoulders he needed surgery for. And the Clippers have do not have that issue in terms of lack of depth now. They obviously right. had two superstars in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but unlike some of the other super, uh, teams that we've seen in the past, and at least currently with the Lakers, where... Although I think they did a better job of surrounding LeBron and, in this case, also Anthony Davis with talent than last year, they're not as deep of a team as the Clippers, where because of shrewd management and shrewd personnel decisions by Lawrence Frank, 
and Jerry West and others, not only do they have these two superstars, but they also have Montrez Harrell, Lou Will, two guys that were both in the running for six man of the year uh, last season. Uh, they obviously traded away Shea Gilgis Alexander and Danilo Gallinari, but they still have uh, Iviga Zubac, who they just re-signed four years. I want to say $28 million around there. Um, and uh, I'm seeing Darius Thornwell. Uh, who else do they have on that team? Uh, I'm blanking a little bit. Um, they got, you know, they have a deep team. And last Pat year, Beverly. Pat yeah, Beverly, Beverly on defense. Re-signed. So can you, first of all, imagine a starting lineup with Pat Bev, Kawhi, and PG oh, defensively. And then offensively as well, but just such a deep team. There's so many angles you could take from this. A few things that just have to be mentioned. Kawhi Leonard, the first player ever to lead a team to a championship and be finals MVP and leave his team the following season for any reason other than retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's huge. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Paul George demanding a trade. A lot of people thinking that this is the player empowerment movement taking a step too far. I think you can make that argument, but I also think... There is nuance to it where it's not just Paul George was in a great scenario and he said, hey, you know, I'd rather go be in L.A. and demanded a trade. And these small market teams, if that was the case, would have uh, a great reason to kind of lose their mind with that and see how that is an unfair competitive advantage and fair for the big market teams. But they were in a bad situation where they had they were basically capped out with a team that was going to win. 48 to 52 games and losing the first round of the Western Conference. Yeah, they were deep in the luxury tax. And a lot of, you know, people have mentioned this. You know, Bill Simmons is kind of a big, you know, supporter of the angle that they got the all-time get-out-of-jail free card. Because here's what I would say about the player empowerment thing. You know, the reason that this is happening, you know, everyone's kind of overreacting. Oh, it's, you know, how come players can just demand trades and join new teams, you know, and and there's no well, teams would rather you, tra- teams would rather trade in a star and get something back as opposed to having them just walk for nothing in free agency. That's why this is happening because if you look back, I think the first example that I can remember was uh, Carmelo Anthony for the Denver Nuggets. He demanded a trade and told and made it clear that he was intending on joining the New York Knicks, and you know. Unfortunately, the Knicks could have probably waited and signed Carmelo in free agency, but they were you know, keen on making that move, and they teamed him up, and they got Billups, and they teamed him up with Amari Stoudemire, but the Nuggets obviously got a haul back. They got Felton, Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, and they made the playoffs um, you know, in a couple seasons, and so did the Knicks. I think at one point the Knicks were the two seed in the East, and the Nuggets with kind of a lot of those core Knicks players from that trade, they were the uh, three seed. They did lose in the first round to uh, the Warriors, though. So, you know, the reason that you... It, these teams are would rather trade their players and get something back. The Clippers are going to be drafting in the first round for every pick now, for every year. They have so many picks. They have all these options now because picks are like currency in the NBA these days. You can just, you know, buy things with picks. Like, they were able to get out of the, the cap issues that they had they are now loaded with assets and there's they're not even necessarily in a position where they have to rebuild they can retool they can do things on the fly and for a guy like Sam Presti the GM he has to get credit for initially obviously building that Thunder team he drafted all of those guys Westbrook Harden Abaka and he built this team that if they could have kept it together would have been 
probably a dynasty. I mean, you have three MVPs on the same team. So now he has a chance to do it again. He has so many picks. If he's able to draft well and scout well, which he was able to in the past, and clearly, you know, he's the kind of guy, and GMs in general, they're builders. They like to build teams. So he can build a whole new team and draft guys like Harden. So, you know, this all comes full circle because now, obviously, the Thunder era that made it to the finals is is finally all gone. You know, Westbrook being kind of that last link sticking around. But if this this could come full circle, the Thunder can rebuild and recreate what they did in that era. So. Yeah, the thing with the picks is interesting. So in the uh, Paul George to the Clippers trade, obviously they, like I said, they got back SGA into the middle of Gallinari. I think they got five total picks, one of which was a, the 2021 Miami pick, um, which since they got Jimmy Butler has kind of decreased in value because they're going to be a better team. And that also kind of relates to maybe the Thunder will be hesitant to, hesitant to trade Chris Paul to Miami because that will decrease the value of that pick. But that's also a separate conversation. So I think five total picks and two pick swaps. They also traded Jeremy Grant to Denver and, got um, and got a pick back for that, a first-rounder, um, which is pretty good value for Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Um, he's a great fit on Denver. Yeah. So they really wanted to get a guy like that. Um, so, right, Oklahoma City has a bevy of picks. With the player empowerment thing, it's like the only team that sticks together or has any kind of continuity, at least in terms of their star players, is the team that wins championships. Right. If you're looking back to the Miami Heat, they won or they went to four NBA Finals consecutively from 2011 through 2014 and won two of them, and they kept that core together until it kind of ran its course. But four years is like almost an eternity to keep a team together nowadays. Mm-hmm. Now you see um, the Golden State Warriors, where they were able to keep three out of four guys. Durant, that was an interesting scenario. He was kind of a mercenary guy, ended up being there uh, three total years. They won two championships in that span. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's almost like if you are any, doesn't matter how good you are, if you are anywhere short of winning a championship, you're liable to have your team broken up. The best case example is the Houston Rockets. Um, trading away Chris Paul to Oklahoma City in exchange for Russell Westbrook, where the Rockets, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt in 2017, they win that uh, series yeah. in a huge upset, which would have changed the course of NBA history. With Who knows what would happen with Golden State after that. And probably beat the Cavs, I, I think, in 2017. Uh, and then last year... Really had a great chance to with Durant going down uh, in game five of they, that series. They kind of blew game one. They absolutely They yeah, got caught yeah. up in the refs mm-hmm. and pretty much threw away their chances in that series going down 2-0. And but they were right there. And, and if I, a team like that, I, I get they had chemistry issues, but if a team like that can get broken well, up that was right there, then any team can get broken up. Where Maybe short of the team that won a championship. They but. say that when they're, where there's smoke, there's fire. And obviously those chemistry issues were probably unsolvable or to the point where a move had to be made. And if you're the Rockets and you have a chance to make a move like that, I'm you, you do because you're able to swap out Chris Paul who, you know, has clearly, you know, he's he's older and he's on the decline. You're going to a younger point guard, a guy who has chemistry with Harden, has played with him before, not only on the Thunder but in the Olympics and they're both kind of from the same, you know, growing up in the West Coast just overall and going back to what I was saying about how Westbrook played last season, a guy who proved, although clearly no one was paying attention to it, that he was willing to defer. And the results in the first round 
you know, obviously kind of didn't show the growth he had throughout the regular season. But he showed that he's willing to give up the ball. I mean, yes, he's still kind of hungry for triple doubles. And, we, you know, we'd all love to see him this season just go for wins and not just stats. Um, but it could work. And if you're the Rockets, you kind of have to make that move. And especially considering now that the league is wide open and everyone's made their moves, you know, the kind of ball was in their court to make the move. And with an opportunity where OKC is breaking up that team, Paul George goes to the Clippers, and now Westbrook is kind of, you know, ready to be shipped out and join a new city as well. I could see that being, you know, a very positive move. The West overall is stacked, and I would say that as far as, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were both recruited by the Lakers for the past two off-seasons. They both had similar paths. They demanded trades from the team that drafted them, and teams took a risk and ironically enough Paul George re-signing with OKC was viewed as a victory for the small markets so that led to confidence in Toronto trading for Kawhi Leonard because they figured that it could work out he can re-sign you can take a risk on a guy now looking now it worked out better for Toronto even though he did only stayed one year because they won the championship but now the tides have turned now it's a loss for these small markets now you know, the Paul George thing, it's not a victory for it's It's a total, maybe even disaster. But although they did get, you know, crazy haul in, in the trade. But LeBron James and the LA Lakers had a chance to recruit Paul George. And Paul George and Kawhi have clearly shown now, for sure, that they want to be in LA. And they said no. And this could, a lot of people can look at it and have it fall on his recruiting. I think that people like to play with LeBron, or I think that he's a good teammate. I think that people like him I don't think that people have issues with him but he's the best and everyone knows that he's the best and even though there are a lot of super teams and this is considered that era people still want to go out and beat LeBron Katie joined the Warriors to beat LeBron even though it was a ridiculous move and that team should have never really ever existed but he went there and because he figured that that would give him a chance to go to the finals and go head up with LeBron and beat him. And he thought that that would make people say that KD is the best because he went up in the finals against, obviously, it's not the case. You have Steph Curry, Clay. You have this ama amazing 73-9 team that you joined, and you're just going up against LeBron, Kyrie, and then one year you're, like, not even going up against, like, any You have, have J.R. Smith averaging, like, five points a game. So, in the <laughs> finals. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. I was hearing on, a, I forget where, but the Paul George thing, a lot of people are blaming Magic because they went really far with the tampering and it's possible that the league or some higher powers or functions basically were at, it came to the point where he couldn't go to the Lakers because the tampering was too far. Maybe they weren't going to allow it. It was going to be a bad look. But they found their way to LA, Kawhi and Paul George. Like, how do you re-sign a four-year deal with OKC and then just one day you just appear on the Clippers like randomly after court. I mean, this might, this is, it's all, it seems like it was a longer plan in the works. So it's definitely possible. I think with the Lakers, they were kind of a complete dumpster fire really, at least for the past two years with everything with magic and Palinka and Jeannie Buss. And so I think that also has, um, has some legs that the fact that players are, with this player empowerment movement are so aware and so well plugged in, probably more plugged in than like reporters for the teams in terms of 
what it's like to play there and, and how well or how poorly teams are run. And that's been shown, I think, with two stars choosing to go to the Clippers instead of the Lakers and two stars choosing to go Brooklyn. to the Nets instead of the Knicks, where players know that James Dolan is incompetent. Players know that Rob Polinka is incompetent. Um, but also, I think with LeBron, I think he is well-liked. I still think when he is at his best, he is the best player in the NBA. I don't know how much longer that will be the case. But I, if he is still the guy that dropped 51 points a little bit over a year ago in Game 1 of the 2018 Finals, yeah. he's the best player in the NBA I, uh, when it counts. Um, so mean, it's not a, yeah. On an off year, he had, what, 27, 8, Yeah, eight, it's kind so. of funny how like people talk about how he's declining. Yes, he missed 17 games with a groin strain. A, he if it was a competitive season where things were actually kind of going the Lakers' way and he really thought he had a chance to win a championship, he probably only would have missed like 12 games. And also, um, yeah, he averaged 28, 8, and 8. He's not really slowing down as much as people are saying. And I think the world knew that that team was never really built for success. They signed Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Rondo, JaVale McGee. Like, those were all one-year guys. They struck out on Paul George, and clearly they signed all these one-year guys to get cap space again to go after, you know, Kawhi Leonard and to sign Anthony Davis. So I would say that for LeBron, I'm starting to believe more and more that at this point, his knowledge of the team's construction and how it wasn't really set up it's basically to his team. Yeah, he and Rich Paul with Clutch Sports, Sports, Sports. They you yeah. know recruited Anthony Davis. KCP is a Clutch. Client They're taking well. over the Lakers. They are taking They're over going the Lakers. To take over. The other thing with LeBron though is yeah he's well liked I think in the locker room and he's obviously a great player but there's this undeniable scenario that always plays out on every LeBron team where. If the team wins, it's all because of LeBron. Yeah, 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 LBJ the king. If they lose, it's everyone's fault but LeBron, and everyone gets traded at the All-Star break. So Yeah, and that's where the yeah. comment from KD came from, saying that the environment to play mm-hmm. with LeBron is toxic. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever that really means, you know, we can't really be too sure, but I think it's you know along the lines of what you mentioned. And I think it's a sentiment a lot of star players share in regards to teaming up with LeBron. Some players don't care, Anthony Davis. Um, most players, I think, would care about that. I mean, we talk about how players are able to just, you know, demand trades from teams. LeBron's kind of the architect for that, not just in the sense of his free agency, you know, decisions like the Heat, going back to Cleveland and just being independent and making the moves he wants, but going to these teams and being able to have every move made because they made all these trades when you initially joined Cleveland. They got rid of Wiggins and Bennett. He's like, I'm not playing with these youngsters. Let me get an old veteran all-star Kevin Love. And that season where Kyrie wasn't there, he didn't have the control because he would have said, why trade Kyrie, just keep him. They had a team of Dwayne Wade, Jay Crowder, Derrick Rose, I heard Isaiah Thomas, and that team didn't really do that well in the first half of the regular season. They made And, and then he was able to haul all of them out and bring in all these youngsters, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, we looked at the time, people said, wow, it was a great trade. Their first game was like a blowout win versus Boston where Jordan Clarkson was like putting on a show, shooting. Yeah, big. they had a couple of big wins. And it looked like the they were better, but when you look in the playoffs, the old team would have been way better. Dwayne Wade would have been way better on a playoff series. They would have had Absolutely. Jay Crowder. They would have had. That a, team made it to the finals. I'm at, well, they would have been a better team with those old veterans. Not Maybe that they would have won, but... They wouldn't have won against the Warriors, but we do know now, though, that 
a lot of those trades were kind of just clearing up cap space for him to sign there because he traded and created all this cap space with the Lakers. So LeBron is really the architect of a lot of this because he's been able to basically shift pieces and control anything that he wants to do. So now everyone else is like, well, I want to be able to do that too. And that's where... And that's what we're seeing. That's where Kawhi's move is really just a power play because he could have stayed in Toronto and they would have had a chance to repeat. He could have joined LeBron and the Lakers and even though LeBron, you know, contends that he would have deferred and let Kawhi and AD really be the stars of the team, no matter what, if you're playing with LeBron, he's the star. He's the one that people view as possibly the GOAT, the guy catching up to Jordan. Kawhi, on the same team as LeBron, is tough. His decision to join the Clippers was his power play. That was the most, of all the moves he could have made, there's no move where not only do you join the Clippers, but you basically demand for them to trade five draft picks to get Paul George. That's the move of all of them that says the most, I'm in control and I can run you know, and, and, and force teams to do what I you know, want them to do. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how things turn out, let's say five to seven years from now, where teams like the Lakers and the Clippers as well have really completely leveraged their futures, and to an extent Miami, have, and those are just three examples, have completely leveraged their futures for the now. Where The LA teams are on a death march right now. Absolutely. Now, Toronto, to I guess a lesser extent, because they didn't trade a whole ton of picks, but they traded away their best player at the time in DeMar DeRozan for a better player in Kawhi Leonard, but at the time, A, you didn't know if he was healthy, B, you didn't know if he was staying. Luckily, he was healthy. You won a championship, so it was all worth it. He didn't end up staying, which I just want to throw in, like, RIP to the... 2018-2019 Toronto Raptors. I'm really going to miss that team, Van Vliet. Yeah. Not that like most of those guys are still there. Well, they're all still there except Kawhi, but Kawhi obviously was the thing that made them go. But you won a championship, so it's worth it. But it's really interesting to see where this player empowerment thing is going to go where with teams, players demanding trades. Other teams know, in this case, the, in this case Oklahoma City, they knew that the Clippers were desperate. They knew that they had to give up everything to get Paul George because Paul George would secure them Kawhi. So in their mind, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we're trading away seven picks and two assets, but we're trading away seven picks and two assets for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And not only that, they were desperate to prevent him from going to the Lakers. That too, because of the so leverage many that Kawhi that. used was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's like he because that's how he's able to force the Clippers to make this move because the threat of him joining the Lakers, which would have killed the Clippers because the Lakers would have had LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. Or him just going back to Toronto and then having them fight over the trade in terms of the the, the Thunder were allegedly in negotiations for Westbrook and Paul George as well. So being able to leverage that was you know just a, an all-time boss move. It's a boss move. It is a boss move if you win a championship. Yeah. Now it's great to win now. And that's why a lot the of the team. moves was, that are yeah. happening, I think a lot of people are being a little short-sighted because all these free agency moves, it's like if we don't win a championship, like what you said, is players just going to change teams every year? You know what I would say? A lot of people are calling this the AAU era because of the super teams. At this point, it's become more like the social media era in terms of just fickle decisions and little commitment and what I mean is you see something on social media and then you just want to go after it or you know being with a team it's like a relationship and things don't work out and then you just want to leave and find the other pretty thing I don't understand why 
players think that a situation on another team will necessarily be better. Because it's funny how you'll get drafted to a team and you'll be with them for the ups and downs. And you'll see the ugly side and you'll see the good side. And then you'll just look at the bad side possibly and then demand a trade because there's this other organization like the Clippers for Kawhi. Like all these teams where they're going to you know, basically clean the house and make everything you know, cater to you. And then you join that team because it just looks nicer from a distance. The, every team goes through the same issues. Coaching is going to, you know, clash with players sometimes. There's going to be, you know, maybe... Like, Kawhi Leonard had the best situation for his, whatever you want to call it, load management. Because apparently they had, you know, the best doctors and staff in order to manage that. And it worked out perfectly because they won the championship. Like, like you it could not have gone any better in no. Toronto. They, no. There is nothing that could have gone any better for Toronto, for their case to keep Kawhi Leonard, and he still left. And you saw what Masai Ujiri said? He said that Kawhi was honest and upfront in their negotiations. So clearly, he really never intended on playing, staying in Toronto. But you got to give props to a guy who gets traded to a city and says, you know what, I'm going to be here for a year, and I'm going to make the most of it. Like, he said that when he got traded to uh, the Raptors, one of the first things he did was texted Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry and said, hey, I know that they just traded your best friend. Like, I didn't necessarily want to go to Toronto, so, you know, it might not have worked out for either of us, but, like, let's make the most of it. Let's make it happen. And he had the right mentality, and that, you know, you got to respect that. Yeah, I think with the player empowerment thing, it's not, it's not perfect because, and Bill Simmons brought this up in his podcast, the big part of basketball is continuity and uh your chemistry with your teammates. And I think that's one of the things that made Golden State so good was not only did they have Steph and Clay and Draymond and Harrison Barnes and Bogut, good three basically stars and other really good players, a lot of whom they drafted, but they played together for two or three years before they things really started to work out. And that by the time they all became the kind of actualized versions of themselves in terms of basketball players, in terms of how good they were, they had that and the chemistry on top of it. So not only were they the most talented team in the NBA, but they had the most chemistry too. So because of that, they played the right brand of basketball. And at that point, they were just impossible to stop and a great defensive team. So that's kind of the downside of the player empowerment era. But I think the motivation really, more than anything, like LA's nice. And LeBron's a different story. Like LeBron, is had when he beat Golden State in 2016, he was officially legend status. So like winning... It's just a fact. Winning became a little bit less important to him, and it became more about, like, I want to live in L.A. I want Bronny Jr. and Bryce Maximus to grow up in L.A. I want to have a movie thing. But for other players, I think it is still about winning. I think, like, yeah, you know, are you sure about that? Because A.D. went from New Orleans to L.A. Kawhi went from Toronto to L.A. You know, small market to L.A., small market to L.A. That's true, but guys want to win at the end of the day. If... And that's why no one went to the Knicks. That's why KD got, didn't go to the Knicks to, by himself. There isn't a bigger team you can go to in terms of marketing and, and, rec- and being recognizable on TV than the Knicks. But who would he play with? Kevin Knox? So <laughs> I think at the end of the day, he's about winning more than anything. And let's say this was even, forget 10, maybe even like five, eh, seven years ago with the Paul George thing. Instead of demanding a trade... He would have waited it out in Oklahoma City. They would have gotten eliminated in the first or second round the next two years. Westbrook would have gotten more and more triple-doubles. And for what? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
just so you could say, oh, well, I was loyal to my team. Like, I think it's we're, we're so attached to these kind of old ways of doing things with, right. with, with legacy and, and loyalty. loyalty. And at the end of the day, the teams aren't really loyal. Well, that's where this comes from. Celtics trading Isaiah Thomas right. a couple of years ago. So why on earth, if I'm Paul George, I'm standing in Oklahoma City saying, I'm in a small market, we're going to get eliminated the first round the next couple of years, we're capped out, and our fourth best player is Jeremy Grant. So we're not going to win any games in terms of the playoffs. What am I doing here? <clears throat> Let me go to L.A. so that I can actually have a chance to win. Oklahoma City gets a ton of picks in return. So instead of being in NBA purgatory where you're getting eliminated every year in the second round, you actually have some options. That And that also opens up the door to trade away Russell Westbrook, where Sam Presti could have done that, could have did that two years ago, but he would have gotten roasted for it by fans and media. How could you trade Russell Westbrook? What happened to loyalty? Yeah. Well, now you have a reason to because you're not going to win anyways. So now, really, everyone's in a better position. Paul George is in Los Angeles with Kawhi. Russell Westbrook went to Houston with James Harden. <clears throat> now they have a chance to win a championship. And now Oklahoma City went from this team that spent – $80 million a year on Steven Adams, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George to a team that has a bunch of picks, SGA, mm-hmm. and a chance to kind of get out of the bad situation they were in. So the only people that are salty about it are people that are holding on to this, at this point, antiquated notion that players should stay with their teams for extended periods of time other than for the sake of chemistry, which I admit is important. Mm. Yeah, I think... You, you hit the nail on the head as far as teams aren't really loyal either, so why should players be? But I think that, yeah, the port, the part that's important is pretty much the continuity. Being loyal to a team, an owner, a franchise that drafted you, is it's, it's overrated. It's not that important. And, you know, it's if a, if a guy wants to choose the city and the place that he wants to go work in, he has that right, whether it's in the quote-unquote real world or the NBA. And the only thing that is missing is if you're if you're on a team, continuity is one of the most helpful things to help you win. Now, I think a lot of people are saying it's not as important because of what the Raptors did, but a lot of that core was there, you know, as far as, I guess, Lowry, Norman Powell, Van Vliet, Siakam, before they made other right, moves. Right, they did have some continuity before. But, and then, and then so. I guess with what LeBron has done, with just kind of joining Cleveland or joining Miami and just being able to make the finals. That's such an anomaly, though. I think it. you look at the Western Conference Finals, you had Golden State and you had Portland, a team that didn't really make any moves besides drafting the guys they've drafted and just having that core with, you know, Lillard and McCollum. Obviously, they picked up Cantor at the waivers, but, you know, they pretty much just had their core, stuck it out, consistently, you know, were a three seed in the West and made it to the Western Conference Finals. You know, a true and they they made it in a true honest fashion. And that's what you can that's what it can happen if you, you know, have your team stick together. And there's no shame in being in, you know, a first round or a second round exit every year because you can have opportunities open up if a player gets hurt. Like KD getting hurt is what opened the door for the Raptors to win the finals. You know, along with Clay, like that's you know people are are starting to realize like you can have an opportunity open for you if you just stay true and be the best team that you can be. So. And dude, now even with all these like super teams, and there is a kind of an interesting quirky 
thing happening where for some reason we've gone from trios, the duo super era. teams in the forms of trios, to now duos. It's exciting. Which is kind of, I don't know why, but it's, I don't know why that's happened, but it's interesting. Um, it's kind of sad that the past four years, like the only chance a team would have had to have won a championship really in the past four years is if, four years, three years, is if Kevin Durant got hurt. Yeah. And the thing that I think, basically every single team in the NBA was saying, from the owners of the teams down to the fan bases was, unless you were in Golden State, was if there's one thing that needs to happen this offseason, Kevin Durant needs to leave Golden State. That has to happen. Now, he got hurt anyway, so even if he hadn't left, at least this coming season, things would have been more fair and the league would have been more wide open, Mm -hmm. but he got hurt and he left. So now the league got that kind of lock opened up where now doors have been opened to the fact that uh, last year it was three teams that could have won a championship, maybe. Uh, This year it's, this coming year it's going to be like 12. Or 8 to 12 teams that actually have a chance to win a championship. And that's crazy, and I don't think the NBA could ask for anything more than that. I, th- I think that at some point, KD realized that his decision to Golden State was looked down upon for that reason. And I think the players are really in control of a lot of the moves going on. It's some combination of the city they'd like to be in, the, peop- the organization and the facilities and the team that's there, and the chance to win and the chance if how much do they put value on being the star or being a sidekick or like Jimmy Butler just said hey I'm going to Miami and I'm going to run the team you're not going to win a championship as the best player on a team if you're Jimmy Butler but hey you're in Miami and you're going to have a chance to go to the playoffs maybe the first round maybe the second round and have some moments and be looked at as an all-star so that's good and you know so there's some value that is you know, compiled for every NBA player based on what they want and where their career's gone. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of shows, like, what each player thinks or what each, each player is kind of like as a person. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, when he was in Minnesota, the biggest reason for the blow-up, which led to him being traded to Philly, was he hated the fact that Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins didn't have that kind of killer mentality, didn't have that work ethic to work hard and then win games. But then he goes to Miami where he has... Not, he doesn't really have a chance to win a championship anyways, and certainly not as good of a chance to win a championship as Philly, the team he just left. So not everyone's the same. Um, you know, there are guys who, if they were in Kawhi's position, they don't care about L.A. They would have stayed in Canada because they wanted to win. And can we honestly say that this version of the Clippers with Kawhi on has a better chance to win a championship than if Kawhi had stayed in Toronto and was the defending champs? At the very least, it would be pretty close. Yeah, we don't know for definitively for sure. So I think whatever team yeah. Kawhi joined would have been marked as the favorite for the next coming season. Yeah. So. And it's kind of funny, like all these old cat NBA players, you know, a lot of them are on Twitter saying it. But a lot of them, you know, in their minds are saying, oh, man, you know, I never would have left a team that just won a championship. You know, I was a cold-blooded killer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I honestly think a lot of them are just saying that because at the time, this wasn't a, a possibility. This wasn't even something that crossed their minds. Wait, I could, like, leverage my own contract against my team and force them to trade me or leverage my own contract and force my team to trade for someone else mm-hmm. so that we can have a super team? Like, that wasn't even a thing until, like, LeBron kind of invented it. And yeah. so... That's just kind of wild to think about. Um, we do have, kind of have to wrap up soon. 
Um, quick, quickly, I want to talk about uh, Westbrook to Houston. Yeah. Uh, I guess a little bit Chris Paul, and then what we think in terms of now that basically all the stars have their homes, who we think are the favorites. So just like a couple yeah. minutes on Westbrook. Um, Westbrook to Houston in exchange for CP3 and a couple of picks. Uh, again, OKC gets really off a ton of money. They get picks back. They have so many options now, um, and they're probably going to trade Chris Paul. But first, we'll talk about Westbrook to Houston. Uh, Houston definitely gets better. Um, I don't know how much better. I think they were a great team that it wasn't any of their fault. They just happened to lose to, like, the greatest team ever assembled to Golden State. Just because you lose to the greatest team ever doesn't mean you're not a great team. They were a great team. And you could argue that Westbrook is actually a better fit based on the way the Houston Rockets run their offense. It's kind of just James Harden taking isolation turns with his other star. It used to be Chris Paul, now it's Westbrook or Eric Gordon. And you could argue, well, Westbrook's just a better player, so that'll make more sense when he gets his isolation turns. They're just going to be a better team. The unfortunate thing is... Westbrook is not as good of a shooter, no. so that actually hurts the team when Harden has the ball in his hands. When Harden has the ball and he kicks it out, he's going to be kicking it out to a guy who shoots 10% point percentage points worse than um, Chris Paul did. Mm-hmm. And also statistically, Westbrook is actually a far, more, uh, far less efficient isolation player than Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Now, on Oklahoma City, he had far more attempts, and more attempts, you're probably more likely to be less efficient. But... I mean, it's very possible that Houston is is becomes a worse team because mm. of kind of the Russell Westbrook effect, where of inefficiency and how shooting. bad would that look for Westbrook's you know legacy? Because well, do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I think because right now there's a narrative out there that Harden, Oladipo, maybe Durant, you know, maybe Melo, maybe Paul George have all left Westbrook and done better or joined Westbrook and done worse or he's a guy who you know holds the team back or he's the guy that just goes for stats and that's a narrative that you can't it's hard to argue against it you know you can try to because there's a lot of evidence that just suggests but as far as him joining the Rockets I would say yeah they did lose another shooter on the court if Harden has the ball they got a little faster because that's someone who can run the break He's a one man fast. And less break. injury prone too. Yeah. Westbrook has like knee surgeries every summer. It's but he plays he's on the joke. court though. But he is Chris on Paul's the court not on the camps. court as much. Right. And hopefully Westbrook stays healthy this year. Because a lot of injuries, man, happen with Mike D'Antoni's teams. He runs his players into the ground. He it's the same thing as Tom Thibodeau, where you got these guys doing forty minutes a night. He Steve Nash has like some pretty crazy back issues yeah. from those from that era. Um Linsanity he created, but Linsanity also got hurt that year. Um, Stoudemire injuries took him out of the league. He's trying to make his comeback now, which is another podcast. But <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, hopefully, trying to fight people, Lamar Stoudemire. <laughs> so I would say they they lost a shooter on the court. They definitely got faster and bigger. They got another rebounder because they do like to play that small ball. Like if you have Tucker as the center, which is a, a lineup they run a lot. They do have someone else who can crash the glass and who can kind of play above the rim, so maybe that's a benefit. And then I would say they have someone who can attack the paint because Chris Paul was definitely, I would say, a good isolation player, and you know they would run that pick and roll, get the switch for the mismatch, and Chris Paul definitely is able to create his shot and, and get baskets and or create a shot for others. Westbrook, 
is not so much of an isolation player, but I think he's going to be better at attacking, which could lead to more kickouts for threes. So that is probably the angle that Houston is seeing it, where he'll be able to drive and kick. Because for the past few years, Westbrook hasn't really played with shooters. His teams have had Roberson, Steven Adams, Grant, Nerlens Noel. Now he's going to have Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green, Harden. So he will have you know more shooters, so that could possibly open things up. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, you bring up a great point with the fact that Westbrook's ability to attack the basket and play above the rim. I think this year Chris Paul took a step back physically where even two years ago he was able to get past his man pretty often. This year, just I think father time, he really lost a step where when it counted and the playoffs came and shot clock winding down, you need a bucket, he really couldn't get past his man all that often. And that is one thing that Westbrook has never had an issue with is getting past his man one-on-one because of how athletic and how fast he is. And also, I think this, there's a possibility. I would, I would put this at a low percentage, like a 30% chance, but because it's, it's difficult to teach an old dog new tricks. But I think it's possible that they kind of finally get Westbrook to play the way people have maybe wanted him to play for years, and that is more off-the-ball movement, uh, off-the-ball as a cutter where at times back in OKC where he and Harden played together, Harden at times played point guard and Westbrook played off the ball and he was great off the ball, cutting back door and Harden ran point. And, um, yeah, and now Harden yeah. really is the, a point guard on his team. And Harden's the better player. Right and now. it's his franchise, so yeah. you would hope. And that's where it has an opportunity to get ugly because if Westbrook comes in and kind of plays the way he has... Like, if he can come in and respect that it's Harden's franchise and, you know, if he has the mentality of, listen, I'm just here to help the team win and do what Harden wants me to do, do what Coach wants me to do, like, he has a chance to really help his legacy because right now he's more in a place of kind of an Allen Iverson, amazing talent, iconic player, but not a champion, not a winner, been to one finals, has an MVP, scoring champ. But he can really, like, change his legacy because, you know, if they can make a finals and if he can help them get there, which they haven't been able to get, they've been, like, knocking on the door, but it just can't open. You know, the Chris Paul injury was, like, a huge, you know, uh, know, disappointment. Like, they could have, they would have made the finals. If he can help them do that, like, that is going to really fall well on his legacy. Yeah. And he's a Hall of Famer regardless. It's funny. It could go really poorly or really well. You know, really poorly, right, like you said, okay. with chemistry I mean, issues. I mean, what? Let's, let's, let's ask the question. If they get bounced in the second round to the Clippers or Lakers, like, do we view this as a good trade? Do we view what? Do we view? How do we view it? Is it a win or is it, you know, just they, they didn't actually I guess get you better. would just have to think, okay, well, if they hadn't made the trade and Chris Paul was still on this team, would they have lost this series that we're this. Yeah. Imaginary series we're talking about, and honestly, Westbrook is an upgrade. I mean, in every form and fashion except shooting, which is admittedly a huge area of his game that is weaker than Paul. Considering, I'm pretty sure the Rockets have broken the number of the broken the record for three pointers attempted in a season by a team for at least like two consecutive years. And to now, your second best player is like a 32 percent three point shooter. That is not a perfect fit, but maybe again, it gets outweighed by his ability to beat his man and his ability to attack the basket. And 
it could go really well. And again, I put this out like a 30% chance of happening because it's just human nature. You start performing or acting in a way for so many years, it's very hard to change. If Westbrook can become I mean, look at off Carmelo, the ball, right. right, and as Chauncey Billups said, it's hard to change the way you are, 30 points scored a bench guy, can Westbrook go from ball dominant, if he's, I don't have the is ball he willing to not have a triple double? Is he willing to not have a triple double? He's had a triple double three straight if years. If he's willing to move off the ball and be that second guy to Harden, let Harden be great, and him be that supplementary guy, which is going to take a major change in his game, which again, I put it at like a 30%, but if he can do that, and who better to maybe facilitate that change than arguably the greatest point guard coach of all time and yep. Mike D'Antoni, if that can happen... I don't think a championship is, is, is a ridiculous thought well, for He that. has so Not much all. to gain for his legacy, too. Like, not only the Rockets, this just this era, but Dan Tony has tried and has come so close and has been denied getting to the finals. And I think the Chris Paul injury was one of the just most final That's one straws. of the biggest one-ifs. But what if he's had time. a lot of... he's had a, He was the Suns coach in a Western Conference Finals where Amari Stoudemire and some other players got suspended for trying to um for getting off the bench during a fight like he's caught some bad breaks yeah. and it's tough he, he's got a lot to gain too but i know yeah absolutely um so i guess one of the last things real quick chris paul potentially to miami um does jimmy butler want that does he want to to have to deal with another player it'd be weird like another ego might not but miami might make the trade because Supposedly, one of the reasons they didn't trade for Westbrook was because they were a bit lower on Westbrook than Oklahoma City was. Oklahoma City was asking for a bit more in return than Miami. It was kind of that debate, like the John Wall debate. Like, Also, I think they were kind of in an awkward spot because OKC wanted to make a deal where they would be able to get out of... Um, they would be able to lower their, their salary uh, output. And then Miami was also probably kind of looking to do that. Right. And the way it would work out wouldn't really... They, were, they needed a third team to dump contracts and that's too complicated that yeah point. I think I think guys like Olenek and Drogic are expiring so it would have been like here's Westbrook for four years Miami doesn't back really have any picks contracts. that's the thing they don't have picks they don't really have well and they OKC have new, was in the assets. business of gaining picks they gained a pick from the Rockets yeah, right. they, they were not it's almost like they have like 15 first round picks in the next six years I think which is absurd something like can that can I just say it they're, they're gonna run out a team of Dwayne Wade's son, Shaquille O'Neal's son, <laughs> LeBron James' son, right? Bronny, Sharif. They're going to run out like this team, like all these guys. And those picks are going to be more valuable than even the typical first-round pick because supposedly around 2022, the, the NBA draft. is going to have the double draft where they're having high school players eligible for draft for the NBA draft. Which can so. I say, though, I do see the, the reasoning why that year is looked at as a valuable draft, but I think it's being a little overhyped because at the end of the day, like, how many guys have come out of high school to the draft in the, that are in the league? You got LeBron, Lou Williams, actually. Like, there's some guys who have It was succeeded. Kobe and Dwight, but we're talking about literally some of the best players in the NBA, whereas yeah. if you're a like, pretty it's not, good high school player, you could end up in the NBA and just have just get stopped. Yeah, and it's like, you know, like, what if it's a double draft, but there aren't actually... Like, what if the Zion or the LeBron is actually, like, a year away? Like, what if it's... Like, I don't know which draft uh, Anthony Bennett was in 2013. Like, what if it's really just, like, a weak class? Like, yeah, there's a bigger talent pool, but we can pick from the whole world now 
there, if, even if you're one of the top college players, there's no guarantee you're going to get drafted because there's going to be guys who have already played in pro leagues in Europe that are getting drafted, right? So we already have, like, a huge talent pool. So it is a little overrated, but it is still, like, obviously a valuable year just for that reason. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It may result in, like, European players having and even seeing more and more European players in the NBA because you're going to have all these guys that try to come right out of high school and maybe flame out, yeah. whereas a lot of these European players, quote-unquote, learn the fundamentals and play the game the right way. And well, they play pro league. Yeah, you have a guy in Luka Doncic who was literally the MVP of the EuroLeague before he even considered coming to the NBA. So you're going to have European players that are way more polished than their American counterparts yeah. And therefore, more qualified to be in the NBA, and you're going to have more European players. Yeah. Um, so, just real quick, LeBron and AD, and all the new guys they signed, including Danny Green and others, Kawhi and Paul George on the Clippers, Russell Westbrook and James Harden with Houston, Denver's running it back plus Jeremy Grant, which I think is yeah, kind we of need to talk about Utah, the Utah, team. Mitchell, Conley, Gobert. They added Ingles. Well, they have Ingles. They added Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich which that's no a, one's talking about. That's a. Great they gave him seventy mil, but like. He was the best player when on Victor Oladipo went down. He was Indiana's best player, which was which was like a farce. Like he's not, he was, he's not, he shouldn't be he the best player on the playoff too. team. He was going to Brooklyn, but he's a good player now. Shooter, like he was the best player on a team that they made it to the playoffs in the East. Now he's like the fifth best player on the Jazz. On the Jazz, think about that. So that's they wild. Can easily, they're going to be a one or two seed in the West for sure. Uh, what uh, what other teams are we forgetting? Portland is going to run it back. They're probably going to make some kind of trade, possibly for Kevin Love, possibly for some kind of play that will help him get the Bucks. We got Philly. Bucks, Philly. Boston Toronto is... is still a good team, even without yeah. Kawhi. They actually went like 17-4 and four without, without Kawhi, Kawhi last year. But they also lost Danny Green. They lost Danny Green, too. Siakam, you think, is going to take a step forward. Van Vliet. Van Vliet. They still have Norman Powell. Kyle Lowry's still there. Marcus Sowell. So. I think they're going to make moves. Though. And they have Masai Ujiri, exactly. I think they're going to make moves, but they might make rebuilding moves. Yeah. I Philly, know. I think, is a huge wild card in all of us. I... It's hard to project exactly how Al Horford, and I've been wanting to make this point on a pod. I'm so glad I finally remembered it. Here we go. Al Horford doesn't immediately make your team better on paper, and a lot of people that maybe don't understand pretty simple things about load management won't will say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why add Al Horford to a team that already has maybe the best big man in the NBA and, and, and Joel Embiid? And it's not because on paper it makes them better when they're both on the floor at the same time. It's the fact that during the regular season and playoffs, Al Horford will take time off of Joel Embiid's load so that by the time the playoffs roll around, Embiid can, we can actually finally see a fully healthy, unhindered, uh, uninhibited Joel Embiid come playoff time. Because two years ago, he got shouldered in the face by Markel Fultz and had a broken face and was like, kind of, mm-hmm. he wasn't unencumbered in the first round. Second round during the against the Toronto Raptors, he was sick. He was hurt. One game he was hurt. One game he was fine. Is he and when sick he was or fine, is he going out partying? I think he's going out. He's also out of shape. He is out of shape, and that has to change. Yeah, but if he comes in in shape, if Al Horford can take some of those minutes off of his body during the regular season, which I think he will, we can finally see a healthy Joella B during the playoffs. Which, quite frankly, mm-hmm. if he was healthy during the second round. They beat Toronto and maybe they win the championship. The final, yeah. So the Philly is a huge wild card. Uh, we're forgetting a few West say, teams also. Boston could easily make the Eastern Conference Finals because they pretty much have the same team as last year. Yeah, I get they lost Horford, and yeah, Kyrie left. But the Kyrie to Kemba, it's not really a downgrade. That's like, if anything, lateral. 
or as far as chemistry and upgrade. Right. And we've seen Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, all these point guards do well with the Brad Stevens system. And Tatum could like really become that star that he's been eager to become. Brown could do a lot better. Rozier is gone. I mean, they they have a chance to do well as well, even though they have a chance. Yeah, I think, you know, for all the talk we just had about chemistry maybe being the most important thing that gets hurt during the player empowerment era, Boston has a little bit of continuity. Obviously, not with their best player, but with everybody else. Jalen Brown, well, they lost Al Horford, but Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they lost Rozier, but well, maybe they don't have continuity. But with their, I think their second, third, and fourth best players, they have continuity. Brown, Tatum, Hayward. We've never seen Kemba Walker. Plus, they could make a move also to add another guy, which that could really bring them for me. Okay, they're going to be a nice team. Maybe fourth, third in the East, finish uh, getting eliminated in the second round by probably a Philly or uh, a Milwaukee. But one more move and... They could be a finals team. And then also, I guess, the other class of teams that maybe won't make the playoffs but could be on the verge of making the playoffs or at least very exciting. You have your Sacramento Kings of the world. You have Porzingis and Luka Doncic You have on, on Dallas. You have the New Orleans Pelicans, Zion, Drew Holiday, Lonzo, Ingram, Josh Hart, the West uh, Jackson Hayes. It's just stacked, man. It's uh, as usual. Yeah. OKC probably drops. And the Lakers probably, in my opinion, I think the West is going to be the same, but swap out OKC and the Lakers as far as which teams are yeah, in Yeah, I think OKC order. will finally miss the playoffs, like, what, for the first time since they ever came to OKC? Yeah, or maybe the first or year. since they've made it the first time, which right. was in, like, 2009, 2010, something like yeah, that. 2010. And Indiana is exciting, too, I think. Um, that's yeah. a team where, you know, unless you're, you really know the NBA, you will say, well, who are these guys? But, like, their starting lineup when Oladipo gets back could be. Brogdon, Oladipo, Miles TJ Turner Warren, is for real. Sabonis, and Miles Turner. It's a good team. And if they're a little bit clogged at the big man position because Miles Turner is kind of overrated as a shooter. Like, he can shoot threes, but eh. And Sabonis can't really shoot threes, so they're kind of clogged with the two-big lineup. They could easily make a trade, probably Sabonis, and that could open up. That could, depending on what they package with Sabonis, maybe picks or something, depending on what, the situ- what situation opens up with what player, you never know. Is it absurd to say maybe they somehow go out and get a Kevin Lovin or someone like that, some star-level talent that's on the trade market that suddenly now Indiana is in the finals conversation? So point is, not only did Kevin Durant leave, but all these different dominoes fell to where the league is way more wide open than it we maybe has ever been, or at least certainly in the past decade or two. It's so exciting. I can't wait. This this is the best outcome we could have had because I agree and I and I think that like I think that the players might have had a hand in kind of deciding this I think that for one there was a recognition in the All Star game that they weren't playing hard enough and they fixed it they are putting a lot more effort in those games and I think there was a realization possibly that they had an unbalanced league and it was hurting you know the. the the heart, the, the a lot of the fans are sick of watching, you know, the same teams. They probably, I think there's a possibility, like, they made an effort to say, hey, we're going to spread it out, it's going to be the duo era, and we're going to have, you know, balance in the league. Obviously, like, LeBron wanted to get Kawhi, and, you know, end it. But, yeah, I mean, this, this is going to be exciting. It's going to be one of the most exciting, unpredictable seasons that we've had. There's no clear-cut favorite for the first time in, like, years going to be wild. I can't wait. 
We'll have more pods coming soon, going more in depth on some of these moves and maybe some of the uh, lesser explosive moves, if you will, if you will, but still moves uh, that are interesting nonetheless. Uh, on the next episode of the NBA Diehards podcast. So for Ben Stemmer, Ooh. I'm Mark Mazur saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.